the peoples. I will sing to you among the nations. For your mercy reaches unto the heavens and your truth unto the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. Heavenly Father, we just come before you today. We thank you for your presence that's already here. And we worship you this morning. We come before you with all of our cares, concerns, needs. We lay them at the altar. And our eyes are looking up, focused on you and you alone. Have your way in this place today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's worship. Jesus, 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 you're beautiful, you're beautiful, you're beautiful, you're beautiful, your face is all I see. Your eyes are on this child, your grace abounds to me. Jesus, 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 Jesus. say this morning. He is the God of love. He sent his son. His son walked the earth. He brought love and healing and hope. He brought punishment to no one. He fashioned a whip and he flipped tables, but to my knowledge, he didn't use the whip on anyone. Not a single person was punished by his hand. So why, children, do we walk as though God is a God of punishment for us? He is not a God of punishment. The mess that you've made, he will come into the midst of, and he will clean it up with you and for you. when we run to him. I'm thinking of a tall biker friend who loves Jesus, who I miss. He used to sit over in this area here. And a while ago, long time ago, he was out in the lobby getting coffee, and he spilled coffee everywhere. And I just happened to be close by, and he's working to clean it up, and I just start helping. He's like, no, no. In my family, you make a mess, you clean it up yourself. <laughs> and I said, well, you're in a new family now. Amen. <clears throat> old, old habits, right? right. Old yeah, habits, old things we've learned. That's good. We're in a new family now. Amen. So I don't care how big the mess is that you've made of your life, how much you've hurt 
people around you because you know our lives are connected. So when we make a mess of our life, it like splatters like paint on other people and other situations. We can't clean it up on our own. He loves you. He loves you. When one of my children makes a mess and they come, I want them to come running to me. Mama, I spilled chocolate on the carpet. Lord knows I want to help them clean that up. I don't want them to cover it, hide it. So it's six weeks from now, I find it covered in mold. And now the cleanup is hard. I got to cut it out. That's a lot more painful. It's a lot more expensive. So the Lord, the word of the Lord this morning is trust. Trust me, says the Lord. I am good. I am good. It is my goodness that brings men into repentance. The Lord would say, I am your father. I will care for you. I will help you. Trust in me, says the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. As we seek your face, your grace abounds to us more. More grace. And we receive. We receive, Jesus. We receive this morning. Thank you, Father. We're going to move to the communion tables. Um, As you come to the tables, there's two cups uh, stacked on top of one another with the cracker on the bottom and the juice on top. So don't let that throw you. Um, If you're closer to the back, go on to the back. Um, If you're closer to the front, come up to the tables up front and hold on to your elements because we're going to come back up. We're just going to pray. We're going to receive. And we're just going to partake of uh, the communion together. Thank you, Jesus. So I was reading my Bible this week. I was, I was thinking about the miracle. Jesus did a lot of miracles. And Jesus fed the 5,000. You guys remember that miracle? He broke the bread, and he met the need that was there in front of him that day. If you follow the gospel... In the book of Mark, like two chapters later, Jesus has 4,000 men, not including women and children, all out there listening to him. And he says, he goes, I have compassion on these people. We need to feed them. And the disciples, who two chapters previous, I don't know how long it was, just witnessed the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. They just witnessed it. I'm talking, his ministry was only three years, so it couldn't have been that long. But yet they were there, and they said, how is this possible? How could this happen? And I was thinking about communion this week, and I think sometimes we forget. We forget the miracle of the communion table, of what he did truly for us. And just like the disciples, the ones who were walking with Jesus, forgot just a few weeks later the miracle they just saw. They needed to be reminded again that Jesus does meet every need. He will take care of every issue. If you bring it to him, present it to him. He is the miracle working God. And of course, 
he follows through as he always does. And the 4,000, it was probably actually 20,000 some people, were fed that day. You say, well, that was the same miracle he did a few chapters earlier. In some ways it was similar. But I think it's in the Bible to remind us that whatever miracle you need, just because he's done something like that before, doesn't mean he won't do it again in your life. So today as we take communion, I just want you to receive. (laughs) Receive him today. Receive his miracle working power. Whatever mess you're in, whatever situation, whatever challenge it might be, we're bringing it to him. We're remembering what he did on that cross for those sins. Thank you. And then we remember the miracle of his resurrection. Because <laughs> he defeated the grave. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. And partnering with him, he will defeat every challenge and problem in our life. Father, we receive today. We receive today. Father, we remember what Jesus did. We remember that you are the miracle working God. And we receive today a fresh infilling of your love, of your Holy Spirit of an awareness of your goodness and faithfulness. We receive it today. Thank you, Lord. The Bible says, I receive from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. The Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread. We had given thanks. He broke it. He said, take, eat. This is my body which was broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. As often. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Let us partake. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we worship you. We thank you. We thank you that you're involved in every area of our life as we invite you in. We worship you this morning. Have your way in our hearts. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Stand with me as we continue to worship. The altars is open. So if you've got business to do with the Lord, just come on down the front this morning. Thank you. I just want to close out this time of worship. Um, in 1 John uh, chapter 4 and 17, it says, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment. 
But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. As we were closing up, I just feel like the Lord just wants to talk about love this morning. Um, There was this video that I watched on, like, Facebook. And it was of, like, what was it, an emu or an ostrich? Karen. Her name was Karen. She was at this pet farm. Um, It's called, like, the useless pet farm. And this woman takes in pets that have no use. Um, So no one else really wants to care for them. This, this, that's called an emu. It's like a big bird. Big, ugly, ugly bird. Um, Taller than a person bird. Um, This bird named Karen was nasty. Nasty bird. And this woman was so patient, and she would film, and she'd go out and be like, hey, Karen, try to give Karen food, and this bird would hiss at her and attack her, come at her. And she just kept at it. Every day she'd go out and just try to, to love and care for Karen. Karen was having none of it. She was nasty. So finally the woman had to bring in a, another bird. Let's call him, I forget his Sherman. I think his name was Sherman. So she brought Sherman in. Sweet bird, ugly. They're so ugly. But Sherman, <laughs> Sherman knew that people were okay. He hadn't been wounded Karen had been neglected. She'd been abused. She had been wounded horribly. And all she saw from this kind woman was threat. And so Sherman was brought in, and he would come and take the food. He would come and snuggle this woman. (laughs) And the woman would cuddle the bird. And slowly over time, Karen, just by like little, by little, by little began to like snatch the food out of the woman's hand and like run away, you know? Uh, She just began to learn what it looked like to trust, what it looked like to receive goodness, to receive love. And so like as the video progresses, one, this woman is like a saint, right? Maybe in the story she represents Jesus. I don't know who she represents. She's like a saint. At the end of the video, she's got a bird snuggled up in her coat. And she's like, you think this is Sherman? She unzips it, and there's the bird. She's like, it's Karen. It's Karen. And that the bird was transformed, snuggling, cuddling, almost more than Sherman ever had. I came downstairs weeping. (laughs) Honey, I'm Karen, and you're Sherman. And you've taught me how to receive love from Jesus. When people are wounded, they're nasty. And they're hurting because they're terrified of torment. They're terrified of of punishment. And goodness gracious, to some people, God is all about crime and punishment. And it takes time. And it takes consistent prayer and examples. We are their example. And It's the power of the Holy Spirit that just wants to transform each and every one of us to the place where we come to the bosom of the Father and we nuzzle in and nothing keeps us away. Nothing keeps us away. I have to tie this into earlier. When our eyes get on the mess and how big it is, we're we're in a bad place. Eyes on Jesus. Eyes on who he is. 
What can separate us from the love of the Father? Nothing. That's right. Don't be a Karen. That's right. If you are a Karen, find a Sherman and do what they do. Do what they do. Find a reformed Karen. I've, people have commented on, oh, Liz, how you worship. I mean, how do you just, oh, because I used to be a Karen, and now I'm not, and I just soak in all of him, and I want to pour out all of me into all of him. And that's what happens here on a Sunday morning. But I used to be a pecker and a hisser. I mean, I was not good. But the love of Jesus... Bit by bit, bit by bit. Oh, he's so faithful. He's so good and he's worthy of all of our praise. He's worthy of your trust. He's never let you down. He's never abused you. He's never condemned you. He's never called you names. He's not a person that he should lie to you. He loves you this morning, church. He loves you. Receive from him. Even as we go into the greeting, receive from him in the encouragement and the friendliness of others. I always like, oh, why do we have to have a break? I don't like when people talk to me. <clears throat> Karen, I mean, ugly bird, <laughs> truly. And now I'm just, I'm one of those people that annoy other people with all the hugs and the friendliness. Um, so continue to receive the goodness of God into the break time and into the word. I'm so excited to hear the word this morning that God has given. Um, so yeah, as we move into the greeting time, if this is your first time here, uh, we welcome you. Thank you for coming and worshiping the Lord with us this morning. On the backs of the seat is a connection card. Uh, that card is for prayer requests and praise reports. If you're a guest, it's where you could put your name, let us know who you are, that you were here. Um, and then that card will go in the offering baskets, which will be up here on the steps during the break. We don't pass them during this time. Um, there's also a box to the left of the door. Offerings can go in there. And then those um, connection cards. We love to pray. Uh, we have an awesome team of mostly women, um, but a great prayer, big prayer team that we send the prayer requests out to. And boy, prayer is where it's at, y'all. Prayer is what changes the Karens into the Shermans. The love of God, the prayers of the people. Um, so fill those out. Uh, let us pray for you. Uh, kids, if you have a child, toddler through sixth grade, head over to Kid Corner. We have some great stuff for them to help them uh, enjoy the rest of the service. ECF kids, you know the drill. Uh, and I think that's all. Let's greet one another. All right, church family. All right, kiddos, back to your seat. I gave the kids each a Hershey's kiss, just FYI, parents. Someone blessed us with Hershey's kisses, and that plus Easter meant too much chocolate at the Ackerman house, so I had to, I had to share it. I had to spread some of the love and the sugar into other children's bloodstreams. All right, so some announcements for you all. Um, Young Adult Small Group is this Tuesday at 6 p.m. in the Rose Center. Uh, 18 to 28 or by invitation, I've heard really good reports. I've heard good things. Um, haven't personally been there because I'm way out of that age range. Um, uh, but I've heard some really good things about that group, about uh, the, the quality of the conversation. So if you are looking to be connected, if you've ever said, like, I just don't feel connected, 
this is an opportunity to connect. Uh, so I invite you to check that out. Uh, Wednesday night prayer and worship is another opportunity to connect in with other believers. Um, 6.30 here in the sanctuary, and it really is just a time of like soaking in the presence of the Lord, uh, worship, and prayer. So uh, I invite you to check that out as well. Um, and that's really all I have this morning. We have a video greeting from Mark and Victoria Bowling. Yeah. Uh, Mark and Victoria run Global Impact Ministries. They're based in Colorado. Is that right? Uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Whoops. <laughs> Someone's based in Colorado. I don't know who it is. Maybe it's Womack. Okay. I don't know who. Uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Got that wrong. Uh, but they are dynamic. They are all about winning souls for Jesus, setting people free, sharing the gospel. And we are just excited, honestly, and honored to partner with them. Um, so go ahead and check out this video. All right, guys. Uh, so exciting news uh, on a couple fronts. Uh, one, they're going to be here in person. Uh, the, the Sunday after Mother's Day, I believe that's May 16th. So we'll remind you again as that gets closer. Uh, was it the 17th? Okay. Yeah, they will be here on that Sunday, whatever it is, the Sunday after Mother's Day. That's what you got to remember. Uh, they will be here in person. Uh, they're going to minister Sunday morning here, and then they're doing a Sunday evening at a Bible school down in Pittsburgh. So we just get them for one service. So I just encourage you guys to come and uh, invite some people to come uh, and just listen. I know they actually haven't been here in a couple years. Really, last time they were here, I think I was over in Poland uh, doing something. Uh, but So it's been a while, because I've been a while since I've been in Poland, uh, to be honest. Uh, so it was a while ago, and so we're excited to uh, have, them, have them back. So second piece of exciting news is we are so, so, so close to taking another block off of here. Uh, I am really excited. I think the current number is, I checked it uh, this week, I think our current debt to pay off is 1126000 and some change. So when we get that below the 1125 number, which is just a little bit to go, uh, we're going to take off another block and we're going to have, you know, we're going to celebrate and, and praise the Lord uh, for what he is doing in our midst. And I know you can see there's a lot of blocks there that are coming, but we're believing in the name of Jesus that we will be debt free. Uh, all along this, you know, the words over this church from the very beginning, is, or that we would be marked by miracles, that we would see many people move from death to life, and provision and harvest. And this is a piece of all of those things happening, and we're excited to be, as God has called us to be, as a distribution center for his kingdom, for his finances. This is not, we're not trying to gather up wealth and store it somewhere. We're looking to pay off the debts so we can continue to bless this community, amen, and be able to do the things that he's called us to go do. So let's pray over our offering today. I have a scripture, Ephesians 3, uh, verse 20 and 21. I just want us to remind us this morning, he is so good and he is so faithful. And as we trust in him with our finances, and as we give back to him just a fraction, he asks us just for a fraction. You know, this isn't a 50% deal. He's asking us for 10% and then ask him whatever else above and beyond what he is asking of us to go do. But he is so faithful. He is so faithful to take care of us. 
And I tell you, we have been faithful tithers as a family forever, for our 21 years, 21 and a half years of being married. And God has consistently, consistently, consistently taken care of us over and over and over. It's a promise of God. It's in the word. And we stand on the word. Amen? So let's pray. Well, let me do this scripture real quick. Now, to him who is able to do exceeding, exceedingly abundantly, I love that, exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Jesus, by Christ Jesus, to all generations forever and ever. Amen. We're believing the lost saved, the sick healed, lives transformed, and families thriving. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for every gift, every giver. Father, we thank you that this chart is just a reminder of your faithfulness, that we started with a number of millions upon millions of dollars, and it's just over one million now, and you are so faithful to continue to pay that off in your precious name. Lord, we just want to be obedient to you, to do what you've called us to go do, and to trust in you. So, Father, we trust in you for our finances. We thank you for for those blessings and favor that's upon us. And Lord, we just lift up this message to you, that our eyes would be open, that our ears would be open to hear what you have for us this morning. In your precious name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, guys. I have a football. And you would say, but Pastor Jason, it's not football season. The Super Bowl is long over. Why do you have a football in your hands? Well, I think a lot of you, well, maybe some of you know, half of you or whatever, but my father passed away on Friday. And he is with Jesus. And as I was driving here this morning, I thought of this, you know, this RIP, rest in peace. And I was like, you know what? He is not resting He is at peace, but he's not resting. I think he's playing with a football up there. And he's throwing it around with some former NFL players that also put their trust in Jesus. I said, you know what? My dad would say, you know what, son? I taught you to love football. And you can bring a football to church and be who God created you to be. And I want to encourage each and every one of you, you can be who God created you to be. And part of who we are is from our earthly parents and the genetics and the DNA. But part of who we are is because of our Heavenly Father and His goodness and His love and His mercy and His kindness. And I am excited for my dad. Dad, I love you, man. I'm excited for him because he has no more pain, no more sorrow. It's all about rejoicing, throwing 60-yard touchdown passes, you know, quick out, slant patterns, post flag patterns. He's doing it all. He's running, and he is enjoying it. I know that he is. Amen? Amen. So I just wanted to let you know I'm going to have a football today. I might have it next week, too. It's like my blankie. Yeah. (laughs) I grew up, you know, okay. So my family, so why do you have a football, right? So my dad was all about Jesus, family, and sports. Yeah, in that order, mostly in that order, yeah. It was, I mean, there was a game on every single day of the week, whether it was the Phillies, the Flyers, the Sixers, the Eagles, whether it was Penn State Athletics, whatever it was, we were always watching something, we were always playing sports. 
and I laugh. Okay, I don't, I don't know if my mom's watching today or if my sister's with my mom right now. Uh, maybe they're watching. But you guys know, when you enter my home where I grew up, and they still live in the same place, when you enter my, in my home when you grow up, you have to be on guard. Because someone has a ball in the house, and the ball will be being thrown around. And if you are not paying attention, oh, you will get smacked in the head with a ball at any point in time. So as my kids know and as my wife knows, our home now also has balls being thrown around in the family room. We try to keep it into the family room. But again, it's, you know, I'm so thankful for the legacy um, uh, of Jesus that my dad was able to bring to our family. You know, my mom got saved uh, first, and really she got saved because she went to a Bible study because she was looking for some, for some kids for me to play with. And she went to a Bible study and she met Jesus, amen? She was looking for this, for something for her son, but she found Jesus. And how many times Jesus comes no matter, in all different ways and he shows up in our life. And I'm so thankful to know him and to, uh, to just to have Jesus as our Lord and Savior and doing the same thing for our family. Amen? Amen. Okay, so this is a continuation of the message that I started last week. And I didn't tell you it was going to be a continuation because I didn't realize it was going to be a continuation until this, until this week as I was praying and asking the Lord, what do you want me to share? And the title of the message, it's not up there, you've got to write it down, take notes, is What Hinders You? What Hinders You? And I realized last week it was all about water baptism, and we had these amazing water baptisms. You know, three of my little ones got water baptized last week, and I believe Mike said that it was one of the best water baptism services he's ever experienced in his life. And it was just an amazing time. And I can tell you, my dad got to see it on FaceTime right here. Right here. He was, he was watching on FaceTime last week. So what technology, so cool. That he's six hours, he was six hours away, you know, and he was able to see it. But I was talking about what hinders you, and this is the verses in, chap, or in uh, Acts chapter 8. And we're going to go back there and look at it again. But I rattled off to you a bunch of, bunch of things of what hinders you. Is it doubt and unbelief? Is it fear? Is it selfishness? Is it this or is that? What hinders you? And I realized I gave you no tools, no how-tos, to help you get through those things. Be like, yeah, well, that one was me. And so this week I want to start talking about some of the actual how-tos, okay? Can we talk about the how-tos to overcome some of those things that hinder us from taking the next step with our walk with Jesus? So open your Bibles to Acts chapter 8. And I want to read that scripture that we read last week. And then the Lord kind of showed me something this week regarding the book of Acts and how it relates to today and today's church. And I want you to pay very close attention to what I believe the Lord is saying to the church at large, including Erie Christian Fellowship Church, okay? All right, Acts chapter 8, verse 35. And this, this message, what hinders you, and the rest of it is from being ready. What hinders you from being ready? You know, a word that my dad had right before he passed away a few months was this. The Lord spoke to him one morning on an early morning. The birds were out and chirping. 
And the Lord spoke to him and said, don't get ready, be ready. And so in honor of him this morning, I want to talk about what hinders you from being ready. And yes, there is a process of getting ready. In order to be ready, we have to do this process of getting ready. But what is hindering you from taking that next step of being ready for what God has in store, being ready for his return, being ready for the trials and the tribulations that are, on, that are coming at us. What is it that's stopping us from doing that? Acts chapter 8, verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at the scripture, preached Jesus to him. First and foremost, we have to accept and receive the beautiful gift that Jesus has. His death we talked about this morning, the death on the cross, the resurrection from the dead for our sins. That is the first step. You can't be ready for his return until you make a right relationship with him. It is step one. You can go no further. There is no next step, right? There are steps where you know how some things you have to do in order. How many of you like to, how many kids in here you like to build Legos? Yeah, all right, so we like to do Legos. Like, if you could be, and maybe you are really good at it, but there's instructions for a reason, because when you go through complicated Lego building things, if you skipped a bunch of steps, you're trying to do things that are actually impossible to go do, because you're missing some core things on the inside of that design for Legos, right? Having Jesus and accepting him as your Lord and Savior is the first step. It's the beginning of the instruction book, right? It's the first thing. You open up that Lego book and you're just like, step one, receive Jesus. You can't do any of the next steps. You can't get water baptized. Well, you could, but Jesus knows your heart, right? You can't go and be say, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You must first take step one. First. This is one you can't do out of order. Can you be filled with the Holy Spirit before getting water baptized? Yes, you can. can. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do out of, you know, there's no order necessarily over here in our spiritual journey, in our spiritual walk, because God takes each of us on a journey. But right here, the first step is he preached Jesus to him. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? What hinders you? from the next step in your walk with the Lord. What is it? Every one of us has a challenge or a struggle that hinders us in some way, shape, or form. You understand that the goal is whole. The goal is whole. And not a single person in here can raise their hand and say, I am completely and totally whole. I struggle with absolutely nothing. I never sin. I am completely like Jesus. And thank you very much. I need nothing more. And if you can raise your hand and say that, could you see me afterwards? Because one of two things. You're either like Jesus came back and incarnate and he didn't tell anybody. Or you're wrong. (laughs) And it's going to be the latter. I'm just telling you. Okay? But the goal is whole. The goal is whole. So we have to look at ourselves and in the mirror and say, what is hindering me from wholeness? What is stopping me from digging deeper, from going in, from taking the next step with the Lord? Then Philip said, look at this. Then Philip said, if you believe. 
If you believe with all your heart, you may. What hinders you? The Bible clearly says, if you believe. If you believe that God is who he says he is, he will do what he says he will do. He is making a next step for you. He is revealing the next step from you. The Lord says that he illuminates what? The path. He's like a light to what? Our feet. Think about that illustration that the Bible uses a little bit. Like, it doesn't say he's a locomotive light that blasts, you know, a mile down the road so you can see everything that's coming at you, no matter the circumstance. Ooh, look at that over there, that over there. That's going to happen in seven years, ten years, twenty years. Now, he reveals some things to us in the future, but what he promises is that he's going to be a lamp unto our feet. What is that next step? Mm, now I see it. What's that next step? Mm, now I see it. And we continue to walk step by step in our journey with the Lord. Because what he wants, his goal is whole. It's time for us as a church to be moving from getting ready to being ready. We have to be on this journey to be ready. Philip said, if you believe with your heart, you may. And so he answered and said, I believe. The eunuch says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. Both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water and he baptized him. What hinders you? We have to believe. And I'm going to talk about that this morning. What does that mean? What does that look like? So that we can freely take the next step with God in our life. And I say, I I mentioned earlier that I believe this is so important today. And I want to walk you through. So this happened in Acts chapter 8. And the book of Acts is written for the most part chronologically. Which means Acts chapters 1 through 7 happened before Acts chapter 8. And so I want to walk through some scriptures that I believe the Lord was sharing and showing me as to what was going on when this Acts chapter 8 event occurred. And as I was reading them, guys, I believe that the Lord was revealing to me that we are in a similar time and in a similar situation, and that similar things will begin to happen as they did in the book of Acts, and we will then see also the rest of the book of Acts, and the miracles, and the wonders, and the signs, but walk with me through this for a second. Acts, go back to Acts chapter 1, and verse 8. Here's what I love about God. He's never going to leave you or forsake you. He's never going to say, hey, let's go through this challenge, but not equip you with the things you need equipped with in order to get through what God knows is in store or in front of you. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive what? Power. (laughs) Sometimes we need some power, amen? This world, we need some power. Holy Spirit power. Not physical power. Holy Spirit power. You know, it's total sidetrack. We're reading the, uh, right, read through the Bible in the air. Right now we're on Samson. If you're reading through the Bible with us, we're talking about Samson. Do you know, okay, Samson was like the strongest guy, I guess, who ever lived or whatever, like pretty strong, okay? Right, you know, most of you guys know that story. Do you know that every time before he did something amazing, the Bible states, and the Holy Spirit came upon him, and then he had power. The Holy Spirit came upon him, and then he had power to do what he needed to go do. You think he killed a thousand people with a jawbone like because he didn't have the Holy Spirit? No, he had the Holy Spirit with him. And he was anointed by the Holy Spirit. You shall receive power when what? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. 
Now, this is Jesus speaking in the, in the beginning of the book of Acts, chapter 1. And you shall be what? Witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So he says you're going to receive this power. Fast forward, Acts chapter 2. Verse 4. It says this, And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Jesus has promised the Holy Spirit will come. What happens? The Holy Spirit comes. And they receive power from on high to do the things that he asked them to go do, which was what? To be witnesses for me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to all the ends of the earth. Think about that. All the ends of the earth, but right now they're just in Jerusalem. They're just right here. This is where the church is. The church hasn't spread anywhere, hasn't done anything. It's right here. Acts chapter 2, towards the end, verse 42. It says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together. They had all things in common. They sold their possessions. The goods divided them among all as anyone had need. So continually, daily, in one accord in the temple, and the breaking of bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added, the Lord added, the Lord added, he does the adding, guys. Not the marketing campaign or the billboard signs. Not against them. I'm just saying, the Lord adds. The Lord adds. It wasn't a fancy ministry that they had. It wasn't a promotional campaign. It wasn't a gimmick to get them to come in. It was the Lord adding daily. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So you see, the church is formulating. A couple thousand people come together, and now it's the church. It's like the megachurch. Oh, we're all together. This is so great. We're having a great time. This is awesome. And then we see Acts chapter 3 through Acts chapter 7. I'm not going to go, I'm not going to read a bunch of scriptures there, but essentially this is what begins to happen. There are healings. There are miracles. But there are persecutions. There are persecutions specifically. Peter and John and some of the apostles began to be persecuted. There was organizational changes in the church. They started rearranging some things. And believe it or not, Philip, one of the guys we just talked about earlier, was one of the seven that was chosen because he was full of the Holy Spirit to do the work of the ministry and the feeding of the widows in the church. And Stephen was the, one of the other ones. That was two of the seven. So Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit. And if you read Acts chapter 7, he gives this big speech. And then... He gets stoned. Pick up Acts chapter 8, verse 1. Now Saul was consenting to his death. Saul, who became Paul, writer of two-thirds of the New Testament, was there consenting, yeah, let's stone this dude for preaching Jesus. And then look at this next part of the verse. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. Earlier, Acts chapter 1, 
Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit delivers and empowers them, and the church begins to grow. Acts chapter 3 through 7, again, this is in chronological order, the people in the church began to be persecuted. Some of the leaders, some of, you know, whatever it was. But then in Acts chapter 8, what happens? A great persecution. Not a small one, not a little one, but a big one. A big one. A great persecution arose against the church, which was where? At Jerusalem. And look what happened. And they were all scattered. They were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except for the apostles who stayed where they were. And I believe as I was reading this, I had no intention of going back and chronologizing what was happening. I believe that the Lord was saying is the church needs to be ready for the persecution, the great persecution. I'm talking about the church in America. There are churches being persecuted in China and in Turkey and in Iran and Iraq. And I'm talking about the church in America. We, us, collectively, not the building but the people, need to be ready for the persecution that is coming. And I believe that we as a church will play a huge part in all of the stuff that is come, that's going to happen. There's been prophetic words over our church. But what I can tell you is that I, as your pastor, want you to be ready. You cannot rely just on me on Sunday morning. You can't rely on the worship team for Sunday morning or Liz's prophetic words or whatever it is. You must understand how to be with Jesus on your own. Because there is coming a time, I'm not trying to scare you or worry you or put dates in front of you, but there is a time where it will not be possible for us to gather as we are gathering today in a big happy family as we are today. There's going to be a time, and I'm telling you it's not that far off. Look at the legislation that's beginning to go out there. There's a time where we as the church will have to rise and do what God has called us to go do, but it won't be in the same traditional way that we've known before. And what he's revealing to me is that in Acts chapter 1 through, 1 through 8, the church was growing, they were happy, they were together, they have a little bit of persecution, and then there was an event, an event that happened. It was the stoning of Stephen. It was an event that happened that created a great persecution on the church. And the church scattered. God calls us to gather, but he doesn't call us to gather in a certain way. He calls us to gather. And so I want us as a church to be ready. So the message is, is what is hindering you from taking that next step with God? And if you're here this morning, I encourage you, I want want to go back to Acts chapter 8 where you're at. Move forward a little bit. I want to give you the hows, the next step. What do I have to do next? What can I do to walk through this be getting ready so I could be ready? Grace, I'm going to skip the beginning of that Acts chapter. I'm just going to go right into it. But last week we read those scriptures and it was Philip who was listening and heard the angel of the Lord speak to him. And it was for him to go out to that desert place. Ah, I'm going to read it. Easier. If you weren't here, they'd be like, what are you talking about? Okay, Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south, along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. 
<laughs> Remember that last week. This is desert. Sometimes the Lord is calling you to go to places in which you're like, what on earth am I doing here? Why am I here? This is desert. What am I doing here? But the Lord, he's a plan. But you have to be listening to be able to hear his voice as Philip was. Remember, Philip was one of the seven who was assigned to wait on tables. Yet here he is being going out as an evangelist and preaching the gospel and hearing God's voice. Which means to tell me you don't have to be an apostle or one of the twelve to be able to hear from God. That means every one of us, everyone in this room, everyone who's listening online, everyone who hears this message, you need to know you can hear from God. So he arose and he went. Obedience. He heard from the Lord and he went. And behold, a man from Ethiopia, an eunuch, which we talked about here a little bit earlier, of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, he had charge over her whole treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. He was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading Isaiah the prophet when the spirit of the Lord said to Philip, go near and overtake the chariot. Nothing was hindering Philip. Nothing. He was clearly hearing from God. And so the first hindrance I gave last week was doubt and unbelief. And I want to walk you through some of the hows to go about battling and combating against doubt and unbelief. So first of all, what is doubt and unbelief? To me, it's, it's basically not believing God's promises are for you. It's a simple definition. You are doubting what's in here in some way, shape, or form. And I realize that every one of us, be like, no, that's not me. No, that's not me. I believe every single word completely and wholeheartedly that's in here. Yeah, some of you probably are much further along on the journey than some others. But I can tell you standing up here that there are times if I have any doubt and unbelief, it manifests itself in the real world as fear. I begin to fear something or someone or a situation or a circumstance or whatever it is because I am not totally believing what's here. And we're all in this journey. Remember, the goal was whole. So we're walking through this journey of how do we get from here to there. And we have to begin to believe what we are reading in the Bible. So how do we do this? How do we begin to overcome this one of these hindrances to or taking that next step to being ready of doubt and unbelief? The first thing you have to do is build your faith. You have to build your faith. Because if you're not building your faith, faith a lot of times people say is the opposite of fear. And in a lot of respects that's true. You can't have fear and faith in the same idea. You're either believing in the promises of God or you're believing in something outside the promises of God and the two of them cannot coincide at the same time. So how do we do this? Turn to Matthew 17. This is what I love about, you know, being a preacher and a teacher is that all of the answers are here, right? I don't have to go, like find them anywhere else. I don't have to like Google the answer. You know what I mean? It's just like, all right, Lord, what's the answer to this? And like he lays out the steps to do it. So Matthew 17, look at this is Jesus. He's giving us the answer 
of how to defeat doubt and unbelief. But the disciples, uh, verse 19, Matthew 17, verse 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? They were trying to cast out a demon. They were unable to do it. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. For assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. And nothing, nothing will be impossible for you. And verse 21 says, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. But you understand that prayer and fasting does nothing more than builds our faith up. So the actual thing is that we have to do is to believe. And in order to believe, to cast down the doubt and unbelief, what do we have to do? Number one is build your faith. Build your faith. Jesus gave us, he gave us those answers right there. You have to build your faith, you have to pray, you have to fast. Those are the three points. Build your faith, pray, and fast. But how do we build our faith? One of the ways we can build our faith is by knowing God's word. We have to know God's word. Let me say it again. You have to know God's word. I don't care if you're in high school. I don't care if you're in middle school. I don't care if you're uh, a senior citizen. I don't care if you're middle-aged. I don't care where you are. In order to be and able to effectively navigate this life, you have to know God's word. You have to know it. You have to understand it. You have to meditate on it. You have to make it a part of your life. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. We have to build ourselves up by understanding the word of God. Hebrews 4 verse 11 says this, Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. If you look at another version, it says of unbelief. It says, basically what that's telling me, if you want to see rest in your life, we have to battle the doubt and the unbelief. Because we can only truly rest when we are trusting that God has the situation under control. So how do we do this? Guys, it takes a little bit of labor. You're like, oh, I don't want to labor. Okay. Yeah, I know. I've seen labor. I've seen actual labor a couple times. I'll tell you what. Thank God women have babies. Amen. And all the men said... Amen. I always, I always laugh, totally digression. This is kind of a funny thing. Like, I honestly said, if, if God had designed it for men to have the babies, the, our race, people, we would be extinct. Because uh, you understand that we would not want to do that, and then we wouldn't really be able to multiply as we have. And so, you know, this would only have been taken maybe a couple hundred years, and, you know, it'd be all over, right? It'd be all over. But thank goodness for, for, for our wonderful ladies who labor and have those babies. Amen. But what I'm saying is, is it takes some intentionality to labor to say, I have to make a decision. I have to decide to get into the word of God. You know, as a, as a high school student, I would go day after day after day and not get into the word of God and not even do a salt, small devotional, even 30 seconds. And I would complain at the end of the day, I can't believe this is happening in my life. And I would begin to fuss and complain and whine and I don't understand. I don't know. And... It was just like, could somebody just slap me and say, look, 
All of the answers of what you need, I don't care what age you are, they're right here. Get into the Word of God. What is the problem that you're facing and what does the Bible say about it? And begin to believe what the Bible says about your situation, not what the world is telling you is going to happen in your situation. I don't care what age you are. We've got to write down those verses, say them, memorize them. Paul talks about fighting the good fight of faith. Paul! The Saul, who said, yeah, go ahead and stone that dude, ends up getting converted and writing two-thirds of the Old Testament. He, even he, had to fight the good fight of faith because he knew, he understood, he had to get into God's Word. He had to get on his knees and pray. And I'm telling you, church, there is persecution that is coming. I'm not trying to scare you this morning, but I'm telling you, we need to take the next step to be ready. I don't know what your next step is. It's different for each and every one of you. It's different for me than it is for Andy or somebody else. But you have to say, Lord, what is my next step to go deeper with you so that I am ready when the persecution comes? Because the Bible clearly says, and so does the prophetic words, that there's going to be more sifting and shaking. Which means those who said, oh yeah, 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 I follow Jesus, yeah, yeah, yeah. But aren't rooted and grounded in him and in his love and understand his word, God is gracious and he is good, will begin to be sifted out. I don't want that to be any of us. Second way we can build our faith is to reject fear. So build in your life God's word for you and then we have to reject fear. You have to reject it. And here's what happens, is you will find at a point in time where you will have believed some kind of lie of the enemy. This happens to all of us. It happens to me. Sometimes I'm walking around believing a lie, and people, and those who love me and care for me can see it. And we have to allow others to speak into our lives to point those things out. Don't be too prideful to not let somebody else speak into your life. Whether it's your mom your dad, a parent, a friend, a sibling. Because sometimes we we see our lives we're like tunnel visioned out, right? That's why God calls us to be together and have relationships with other believers so that we can speak into each other's lives. So we can see where we're missing it. What lie are we believing? What is it? And anything you're believing that doesn't line up with this is a lie. It's like, well, I don't know what lie I'm believing. Believe me. Think about it for a little bit. You'll, you'll know what lie you're believing. About who you are, how you were created, what you did in the past, how it's going to affect your future. Scared about what's going to happen here in the next couple years or decade or whatever. We have to reject fear. And here's the challenge, is we all end up fearing. So what do you need to do? Repent. So reject fear, repent, and then repeat. Yeah? Reject it. Repent, and then repeat. Reject it. Oh, man, I missed it. Okay, repent, and then repeat, going back to the beginning of I'm going to reject that thought. I'm going to reject that lie. I'm going to believe what the Word of God says. I'm going to find another scripture. I'm going to read that scripture one more time. And I'm going to build my faith. And each time you do that, you begin to cycle through, and eventually you overcome that one, and then God reveals to you another lie that you're believing. You're like, I thought I was done with this. No, it's labor. Yeah, I know labor eventually ends. Thank you, right? All the women. Now the women said, amen. 
right? But what I'm saying is when we're fighting this good fight of faith, it's a journey that we're on. We don't get to the destination before we pass away and see Jesus and say, I'm there, I'm done, I'm good. My dad was on the journey all the way until Friday at 1.50 p.m. He was reading his Bible. He was asking the Lord, what's next? He was being molded and shaped. He was 84 years old and the Lord was still speaking to him, still challenging him, still showing him lies that he was believing. So don't for a minute believe like this is just like if I can just get to that one destination. This is a journey. And you're on it. The third thing we need to go do in order to build our faith is to believe in God's love for us. We need to believe in God's love for us. He loves you. He cares about you. He knows the number of the hairs on your head. You have to believe in God's love for you to begin to battle and destroy the doubt and unbelief. Then I said earlier, if you're taking notes, let me help frame the outline. I know I'm not an outline type preacher, okay? But it was build your faith. How do we build your faith? Which was know God's word, reject fear, and then believe in God's love. So now go back over here, like so if you're walking with your notes, like boom, three points under point one, and now point two, which is what Jesus told us to go do, is prayer. So we got to build our faith, and then we have to spend time praying, casting those cares onto him. When we have that fear, we have that doubt, we begin to send it up to him and say, Jesus, I need your help with this. I repent of that, but I need your help with this. And here's what the Lord, maybe you all knew this, you're like, Pastor Jason, you're finally getting to what we know. This is fine. But what I believe the Lord showed me is that prayer aligns your spirit with his. Prayer begins to align our spirit with his. And so why Jesus was saying the only way you can get through this challenge in your life is by believing and building your faith But also by prayer is because he understood that we need to align our spirit with his spirit. Prayer does that. Prayer takes the focus, if we're praying, you know, in the way that, you know, the Bible teaches us, is we're casting our cares to him, we're looking to him, we're repeating God's promises back to him, we're saying, Lord, I need your help with this. You're taking the focus off of the situation and you're giving it to him. So it aligns our spirit with his. That's why praying in tongues and being baptized in the Holy Spirit is so vitally important for our walk with the Lord. And then the third one, remember we indented, now we came back out. One, two. The third one is fasting. Again, this is Jesus gave us this, the method on how to go do this. Worship team, if you want to come back up. Or just keyboard, uh, sit is fine, sorry. Um, fasting. And here's what I feel the revelation on fasting was this. Is it now aligns our physical body with God's will. It aligns our physical body. So we're believing, we're transforming our mind, we're building our faith, we're doing the things from a, what I'll call, from the soul perspective or the mind perspective. We're changing and challenging. This is Jesus' teaching. And then he says to pray, so believe, build your faith, and then to pray, which is saying, okay, now my spirit needs to be in line with God's spirit. And then he says, and then fast. And now he's saying, get your body in line with what? 
my spirit is intending for you. And so church, I challenge you this morning. What hinders you from being ready? What lie are you believing? What is it that you're not... What's stopping you from getting into the Word of God? You know, the Word of God is living and breathing, sharper than any two-edged sword, never comes back void, always does what it was intended to go do. Yet Christians, we go day in and day out, and we don't even open up the Word of God. We have to. Transforms our life. We need to find time to pray. There's no formula. It doesn't mean you have to be on your knees. You can do it in your car. You can do it where just make, you know, watch, keep your eyes on the road, whatever. But spend time praying. And then I want to challenge you to fast. You say, well, Pastor Jason, it's not January. It's not the Daniel fast. Where in the Bible did it say you fast only in January for 21 days and call it a Daniel fast? It doesn't say that. We need to live a life of fasting. Live a life of asking the Lord, what is it? Because I'm telling you, as the Lord begin to reveal what happened from Acts chapter 1 to chapter 8 will begin to happen in America and has already begun and we have to be ready. Be ready for the persecution that is coming. To stand on God's word. To know his promises. Even if you can't hear some preacher somewhere. Or your YouTube account is shut down. Or your internet gets turned off. What am I going to do without my Bible app? Get your paper Bible ready. And more importantly, get it from here and get it here, which translates to here, which means you will be ready as challenges come. And here's the exciting thing I believe that the Lord began to show me, that as we combine this faith and we begin to overcome in your lives the doubt and the unbelief and the hindrances begin to fade away, we will see what they saw in the book of Acts. So go ahead and read from chapter 8 through the rest of the way, which is Acts chapter 28, I believe. Miracles, signs, wonders, deliverances, people being miraculously healed. But the church was scattered, but the church was still being the church, not in the traditional 3,000 people all in Jerusalem, all worshiping God together. What happened is they got scattered. But you see what Philip showed us here is it was one reaching one. He heard the Holy Spirit. He made the move. He talked to the Ethiopian man. And every one of us can see the same miraculous things happen in our lives. So bow your heads this morning. Oh, Father, we just thank you. We thank you, Lord, that much like the early church, after you ascended, you prepared them. You helped them to be ready. So, Lord, we ask that this morning. 
Lord, we ask to show us personally how we can be ready. Lord, show us the lies that we're believing. The sins that need to be repented of. To take our next step. Lord, we ask that you reveal what is hindering us this morning. What is hindering us from the next step with you. And Lord, I ask that you reveal it to each one of us now, even as I'm praying. Both young and old. New believers. Mature believers. That you're revealing to us even now the next steps you're calling us to take in our walk with you. Thank you, Lord. Keep your eyes closed and your head bowed. If you're here this morning, if you're here this morning and you say, you know what, Pastor Jason, I have just been, I know Jesus. I feel like the call this morning is, I know Jesus. I've accepted Him but I've walked far from Him. I have not made Him Lord of my life. I've made Him Savior of my life, and I believe He saved me, but I, I just haven't made Him Lord of over every area of my life. You can do that this morning. If that's you, just slip your hand up today. Awesome, awesome. I see your hands. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. For those that have their hands up, just keep them up for a minute. I want to pray for you. Father in heaven, you see the hearts of these men and women, these boys and these girls who have their hands up today. Father, minister to them. Speak to them. Show them. Lead them. Guide them. Strengthen them. To take those next steps that you're calling them to take to remove the things that need removed, to begin to battle the lies that they're believing. Father, we know that with you nothing is impossible. So even if those situations seem impossible, Lord, I thank you that you are making a way. And even when we don't see it, you're working. And even when we don't feel it, you're working. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Babe, you want to come up? Our prayer for you, church, is that you would see him rightly. That he would be more real to you than the challenges that are in front of you, than the bills that are unpaid, than the doctor's report, that his promises would be yes and amen, that they would be so real to you. It was the apostles who Jesus said, uh, it is because of your unbelief. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. If if you feel like you you don't have any unbelief in you, you're wrong. Unless, like you said, you have been perfected as Jesus. Because even the apostles had unbelief. It's a continual going to the well. A continual crying out, Lord, help me in my unbelief. Let me see you, Jesus. Let me see you more clearly here. 
and throw away now any kind of ideas of religious behavior. Because it's not in the actual, well, I put in my 10 minutes, I read the word, I'm good for the day. That's religion. The word of God is Jesus. Know Jesus. Get in here because here is where you see what he said and what he did and you can know him. It's relationship. It's relationship. And how many times have I said to you in the kitchen, right, or on a walk, when we have heated conversations, I don't know what the people who live in the neighborhood we walk and think. <laughs> Arms are going, you know, there is talking that's happening. And how many times have I said, if we really believed, if we really believed right. that he was our provider, what decision would we make Amen. right now? If we really believed that all of the resources of heaven or in the hands of a father who loves us, how would we make this decision right now? How many times have I said it? You have to bring him into the moments, those moments when need is pressing in. And the last thing I have to say is, I remember when my fight against fear kind of began in a formal sense, and I was laying in bed as I had just it was a consistent thing. And I was just begging God to forgive me because I knew I was just wrapped up in fear. And I couldn't fall asleep at night because I was just afraid that someone was going to break into my house. That fear just was in me from the time I was a child. I think I was 28 years old. And I was laying in bed just, oh, forgive me, Lord, forgive me, forgive me. Because you said, you know, challenge the fear, reject the fear, and then repent. So boy, I just repent. I'm sorry. Sorry, Lord. And man, the Holy Spirit just showed up and he said, stop apologizing and start fighting. And I mean, I was startled. And I, but I got it. I got it right away. Okay. And I began to change my imagination that it would lay there and keep me up at night. I, be, I turned it from a fear imagination to a faith imagination. So every time my imagination would get caught up and someone's breaking in and they're coming into the room, immediately I would get up out of my bed and be like, do you know Jesus? Because you're not going to rob me. And I mean, I would imagine this. And in my imagination, the robber would get saved. Do you know how quickly the imagination stopped? (laughs) I mean, they just stopped. Because I actively grabbed a hold of them and I turned them around. I began witnessing. So whenever fear starts whispering to me about the bad things that are going to happen, I grab hold and be like, this is a platform for Jesus. And I change the fear imaginations into faith imaginations. Into faith imaginations. Paul helped me with that. He said when, when he went to the hospital and had the diagnosis with the heart issues or whatever, he imagined himself, I think it was his 90th birthday, with his family all over, blowing out the candles, actively helping in the business and consulting. He began to have a faith imagination. That's right. Not a fear imagination. So rejecting fear and repenting isn't saying I'm sorry over and over. It's changing your thinking. That's what repentance is. It's not I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's change the thought. Change the thinking. This message is life. Mm -hmm. This message is life. But my notes, those are life. Mm. Those good stuff. Mm. Our heart is for you so much, so much that this Jesus would be real in the everyday, in the all the time to know him. Amen. Amen. Well, stand with me here as we close. I have some prayer teams that will be coming up here to the front. Uh, 
If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, as I mentioned at the beginning of the message, step one of the Lego put-it-together thing, you've got to accept Jesus. There's some, uh, some teams up here that can pray that prayer of salvation. Or you need prayer for healing or something else in your life. Or maybe it's somebody who raised their hand and said, I just need someone to agree in prayer with me <clears throat> that I would be strengthened to do what God's calling me to go do. Come up here and get prayer uh, this, this morning. Praying, coming up here and praying with people, whether it's you grab us or whether if you are connected with other believers and you need prayer after church and you don't want prayer from people you don't know well, grab them. Yeah. Grab them. You know, I would grab Andy. I've grabbed Andy and said, Andy, we need prayer. Pray for us. This is the Christian walk and this American independence where it's like, I don't want anyone to know my struggles. I don't want to tell anybody. I just want to do it by myself. It's not going to fly because it's not the word. It's It's not Christian community. But we invite people to come up and pray all the time. And I just, it doesn't have to be, these people are safe and they are full of the spirit of the living God. And so we, they come up here to make themselves available to you. Use them. Use them. But if not them, then get the person. Get the person you're connected with. That's Christian community. It's powerful. Amen. Okay, benediction over you guys. I had something else, but I just, as we were worshiping this morning, this song, just I started singing it. And you'll be happy that I didn't grab the microphone and try to do a prophetic song with this scripture this morning. Babe, you did a great job, but I, and I avoided that like the plague. Okay, it's out of this. It says, may the Lord bless you. Just receive this this morning. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen and amen. You are dismissed. Have a wonderful week.